Hi, I'm Sean McCambridge, Managing Director of Stellar Recruitment. Thanks for joining me on this journey to uncover the secrets of inspirational leaders. The reason I put this together is to share the unique journeys of these successful individuals and really unpack how they've achieved success and hopefully inspire others to do similar things. So thanks for tuning in and listening, and I hope you enjoy the series. So Nath, thanks for joining us here today as part of the Inspirational Leaders podcast series. I know we've known one another a long time, so I've been privy to your story, which has been impressive and inspiring. Maybe you could sort of kick off for the listeners and give us a bit of a insight into who is Nathan McCallum, where are you from? Just a South Dunedin lad, born and bred South Dunedin, Waterloo Street, successful sort of family as far as we were always encouraging each other, didn't always have everything. But we didn't want for anything. It was always about getting out and, and being involved in sport. I had a few issues when I was a, a young fellow. I was in hospital quite a bit. I had a, a disease in my hips called Perthes disease. Uh, I was actually in a wheelchair for, for nine months and I didn't get much sympathy from my younger brother with that. But um, yeah, I sort of got told I'd never be able to run or play sport. And that was, uh, I suppose... Uh, a big thing for me and my family who were always into sport and I suppose that's a big driver of where I am today and what I'm about. Probably that catalyst of being told you can't do something and then continuing to try and do those things and obviously growing up through the ages I was always really interested in sport and managed to get back into it and played rugby and cricket and at the end of the day, whatever sport it was, so full support from, from mum and, and dad for that and, and the rest of our extended family as well. Dad was always playing rugby and soccer and cricket. So I think being around it all the time gave us the excitement and, and really involvement to be in and around sport and, and a team sport as well, which gives you the camaraderie and the, and the social aspect. And I think that's probably why I'm that sociable sort of person as well is, is because that's part of parcel of my family and, and my upbringing. So... I suppose crazy thing to, to have been able to play for, for a living and play for your country. Um, it was always a dream to be able to do that and be able to do it for such a, an extended period of time. Uh, it was pretty special and I, I'll never forget that. But it's now more importantly about my, my three young boys and, and my partner Vanessa and the life after cricket and really trying to be as successful outside of cricket as, as what I was inside of cricket. And, and I've got some Pretty big goals personally and collectively for my involvement with Stella and also as a family we've got some pretty clear things that we want to achieve and, and part of that is giving my three young boys the same opportunities that I had. I know you're a big family man and, and you've achieved some great things as we'll sort of talk about and people no doubt know about. Has success always come easy to you? I mean, you play over 100 games for your country in cricket. You're a very talented soccer football player, amongst other you know, sporting interests you've had. Has it always come easy for you, mate? I'd like to say yes, but no. It's always been something that I've sort of had drivers to, to do and, and be successful. I've had to go through a lot of ups and downs to, I suppose, figure out how to be successful at, at different times. I, I, I suppose I don't really class myself as being successful. What I sort of know is that I'm always trying to achieve more and, and always trying to be better. 
and probably the main focus is is trying to trying to improve all the time and and I guess the best way that I was able to do that was through preparation and knowing that if I prepared as well as I could and better than anyone else whether it be on the cricket field or or in the office I could then go out to to perform to the best of my ability and with confidence as well if you perform with confidence then it allows you to execute whatever you're doing a lot easier Absolutely. Some good points there that relate to not only sport, but I think and things in general. So preparation, no substitute for that. I want to talk now a bit about your McCallum family household. What, what's going on there, mate? What, what was the magic going on inside that house? Yeah, your father was very successful in sport, represented New Zealand as well and, and cricket. Your brother also had a very successful career like you and cricket and was also talented in other sports like rugby, etc., what do you put that down to? Obviously, there's a genetic commonality between the three, yeah? but what else prompted that success? What were the attributes of your family members that made all this possible? I've been asked this a few times, and I suppose the only sort of common denominator that I can put it down to is the amount of time that we spent doing those things. Mm-hmm. And whether that be playing cricket, playing rugby, soccer, basketball, volleyball, athletics, golf, all we wanted to do was be involved in sport. All we wanted to do was be outside. We never owned a computer. We hired a PlayStation on a rainy weekend and we were only allowed to play it for a certain amount of time. And the rest of the time it was get outside. And with that, it means that you've got to be involved with other people. And I suppose that comes to the social side and and the want to do well. And yeah, I suppose you have a winning attitude with that. I don't think any of us like being defeated, but that's a real driver. But I really think it's the amount of involvement that we had in playing sport, and and that's not just playing sport as a team, but it's in the backyard or in the school grounds. And I suppose as a youngster, you can say the hours that you put into practice really evolves, and it doesn't really matter what sport you're involved in. It can then transfer over into other sports. And for us, it was just really being involved in sport, uh, no matter what it was, and loving the opportunity to do so. Now, I mean, obviously you had a positive role model in your father who was you know, heavily into sport and, and doing well, no doubt. It reminds me, of, I've just finished the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. One of his theories is 10,000 hours to become a, a master at anything, so, or to achieve mastery. So no doubt you guys achieved that pretty early on with all the time playing backyard cricket and, and down at, at Albion uh, Cricket Club, uh, chasing balls around and hitting balls around when your dad was playing. So no doubt that was a big part of it. I want to transition now to the transition itself. Successful sports, people often very successful in, in that sporting arena. But then at some point in time, as you know, you, you've got to sort of uh, hang up the boots and, and move on to the next chapter of life. Talk to us a bit about you know that transition from sport to life after sport. How have you done it? It was always something that was pretty daunting while I was playing cricket and playing sport and I never really knew what I wanted to do after playing cricket. A, I never really knew when it was going to end. B, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to be involved in something with people because I I love being involved in people, making other people better. Having a social aspect within a job was, was something that I was excited about as well. But until probably a couple of years before I did retire, I didn't really know what that was. I was thinking about real estate, I was thinking about coaching, I was thinking about owning a sports shop or or doing other things that business development role for for a certain company or or a high-performance sport role. 
those things when it came back to it was really about people. And I think sitting down with yourself and Robbie at some stage prior to finishing and looking at the opportunity of what recruitment was, but more importantly what Stella was, gave me another passion, so to speak, and something that interested me with the values of the company, the people that are involved, and the drive, and probably the success of what it is and where it's come from, and the reasons why. So a lot of it was about looking for that new challenge and that new passion, and fortunately I've been able to do that through a lot of support by a number of people, not namely yourself and Robbie at Stella, but Mike Hesson, uh, and Mike Sandal, who are the coach and, and manager of the New Zealand cricket team, I sat down with them and said a year out, look, I want to start looking at moving into other things and I think my time is just about up. I don't want to keep playing for New Zealand or, or myself, but at the end of the day, I've got to start looking at things. And, and I had a pretty upfront and honest conversation with them and they were fantastic and, and very supportive and, and allowed a real clear plan of what that would look like and could look like and that allowed me to be involved in a part-time capacity within Stella and New Zealand cricket at the same time. I had a, a business mentor who I, I still have now and, and I, I talk to on a regular basis but Stuart Hill who's actually been on the board of New Zealand cricket and was chairman of the board of New Zealand cricket he has been a real sounding board and someone that's been fantastic for me to to really discuss the pros and cons and benefits and and, and the understanding of, uh, of what's best for you personally and in the long term because often as an athlete you you talk about the short term of what's what's there you have your long-term goals and your long-term plans but there are some people that as soon as they're transferring out of sport, it's it's about the straight away what's here and now, not necessarily about the long-term plan. And that's been huge to have someone with the experience and the, the knowledge and advice to be able to help me with that. And I'm ever so appreciative of uh, Stuart's words and commitment to helping me with that. I admire you on a couple of fronts, mate. I think seeking out a mentor to help sort of coach you through that process, obviously consultation with you know, the likes of Mike Hesson and co uh, regarding that likely transition. But the thing I probably most admire about all of that is whilst you're still a professional cricket player, you are concurrently juggling a job, a part-time job at that with Stella. And often when you're away on tour, you're away on LinkedIn or, or doing other bits and pieces, you know, learning the craft or doing preparation to, to get yourself set. So when you come in and then when you, you were in the office, you worked incredibly hard. You set yourself up well, and, and as you and I both know, uh, you've been very successful in a very short space of time within our environment, so kudos to you for that. Just talking about success for a moment, you've obviously been around the top echelon of sports people for a long time. You've obviously got association with people in business that are also very successful. In your view, you know, further to your own success, what are the commonalities or, or traits of successful people, if, if there's a formula? What defines success is the hardest thing, but for me, it's really trying to, to get to a point where you're performing something to a high level and consistently. For me, that's success. The things that really are involved with that for me are drive and determination and the willingness for hard work. There's no substitute for hard work, and that is the epitome of allowing yourself to get success, be able to achieve what you want to achieve. You can't achieve anything without putting in the hard work. And if you expect that that is going to happen, then you're not really true to yourself and you're not 
really doing what you want to justice. It is having a clear plan of how you're going to go about things and put the hard work in place to, to pick in a time where you are going to reap the benefits and realise that it is going to take time. It is going to take a period of time where, where you're not going to get the immediate benefits, you're not going to get the immediate rewards. But over time, the hard work that you put in will come out of that. So I suppose a structure and a plan for that. One of the biggest things that I've really learned, and that's through maturity, was a consistent level of emotions and a level of emotional intelligence to, to understand how to engage with people in different ways, whether that be in your cricket team or whether that be as a coach or whether that be in a boardroom. For me, it's, it's really about trying to understand that and having a consistent level of emotion with that as well where you're not up and down with your performance and going through those rides because everyone goes through ups and downs. It's just understanding and putting things in perspective and not being emotionally up and down. Certainly some commonalities with some of the other people I've done podcasts on in terms of investing and understanding yourself and how you sort of best tick and that emotional intelligence, uh, what you say. So I want to talk to you about some of the leaders you've worked alongside. Obviously, you've been a senior member of, of some of the teams you've been involved in. You've been a captain of some of these teams as well. You know, Talk to us about some of the best leaders you've been exposed to and, and why, in your opinion, they are successful. The term leader can, can be taken in a number of different ways. A leader for me can be someone that does things well personally, but at the end of the day, they're getting the best out of other people. And that's the true value of leadership for me, is not necessarily being the best person in the office or best person in the team, but they have an insane ability to get the best out of everyone else. They can push everyone else to levels which other people can't. For me, that's true leadership. It's going to sound very biased, but I believe my brother is very good at that. He has a a very good ability to see the benefits of certain people and give clarity around that. The other one is Daniel Vittori, who's brilliant, and he has a very different approach, but it is very much around a consistency of emotions and a clear plan of where you're going to go. They are two of the guys that I've managed to pull some of their uh, qualities out and, and transfer that into what I'm doing today. Would you also say that there's a underlying belief in both of those individuals, both within themselves and also in other people in the team and instilling that belief that also allows them and the people around them to be successful? Yeah, for sure. And whether hard work or whether that comes through personal belief, and I think this is, this is something that's quite ironic and I talk about this a lot. My brother had a different ability to, to fake it till he made it, which allowed him to then perform he could go out and perform with confidence in any given situation and and that then gave him more confidence and then allowed him to then filter that to other people for me it wasn't until i figured it out that i needed to prepare as best i can and be the best structured prepared person that i could be and once i did that then i could go perform with confidence and then it just continued to flow on from that having that understanding of being able to do that is huge and really offering that belief to other people. There's not one way to do it. I'm going to help you do it, figure out how to do it, whether that's you performing with structure or whether that's you being able to do that on the fly and fake it till you make it. I think understanding that there's different ways and different perspectives, but essentially fulfilling everyone with that belief that they can do 
what they want to do. That's real leadership for me. It's not about telling people what to do. It's about guiding people. And that's, I suppose that's the, the, the biggest thing that I've learned over, over the last few years of watching some class leaders. You've been part of successful teams. Obviously, when you're part of the New Zealand team, you certainly climb the, the rankings in different forms of the game. In your experience, you know, or your opinion, what are, what are the elements of high-performing cultures? Hard work, commitment to the team, being better than you are. A motto that I came across when I first came into the New Zealand team, BTB, uh, better than before. Since I've come across that, it's forever been my motto personally because I believe that gives you uh, an understanding of perspective. It gives you an understanding of you've still got more to achieve, but at the same time, you're not content with what you're doing. You still need to drive to be better. That doesn't mean that you're not happy, but it means that you, you are still trying to be better. Ironically, a, a no dickhead policy as well, and, and it's not about... Uh, and no dicky because they're of their personality. It's basically they've got to buy into the team. They've got to have the same values and, and say, I'm going to consistently try to improve. I am going to do whatever I can for the team and I'm going to make the best decision for the team, not for me personally. If you go against those things, that classes you as a dickhead. And so that's why it's that no dickhead policy. Uh, and we've had that for in, in different setups and it's and it truly is a, a huge part of creating a, a team culture and a high performance team culture where you can drive in the same direction and you know that everyone's right behind you. Oh, I couldn't agree more I think obviously further to the New Zealand cricket team I think the All Blacks are well publicised in terms of that no decade policy but the same sort of team dynamics no individual is above the team no ego is bigger than the team and it's the team first uh, and also some of those other dynamics you talked about about hard work etc and constant improvements i think some really good uh, elements there that apply to business as much as they do sport i think there's a lot we can take from sport to business awesome points there mate i want to shift the conversation towards adversity you no doubt further to your many successes and you touched on one of them earlier on in life for you what have you learned from adversity you know what have you sort of taken from those moments it's probably things that I've, that I've uh, dealt with over over a long period of time. Like where everyone goes through life and there's a huge number of ups and downs. For me as a youngster, yeah, there was those. But I think in my, in my late teens, um, I went through a huge amount of ups and downs as well. I wasn't equipped to deal with those properly. I was emotionally up and down. I, I had a real trouble dealing with defeat or failure. And it, it took me a lot longer to then succeed by doing that. When I started maturing and understanding that, putting things in perspective a bit more, being a lot more emotionally stable, it allowed me to brush things off a lot easily and turn the, the negative into a positive. For me, any situation now which is a challenge, you can think about it as an opportunity of failure or you can turn around and say, right, what can I do now? How can I... How can I best turn this around? What's the best opportunity that I have now? And, and I suppose I, I learned that through uh, speaking with a, a mental coach. It was really relevant for me. When I turned 29, I sat down with him and, I, and it was the best half an hour that I've ever had uh, as far as changing my life because it gave me the, some of the tools to deal with the pressures of playing international cricket. Those tools that I learnt and taken on as far as coping mechanisms and, and really understanding key stress indicators, 
was huge to being successful from that point on, playing cricket for New Zealand personally. I still use those every day. Another friend of mine, a successful business person, a leader, he's got a bit of a phrase, every day show day. And I guess it's the same professional sport, you know, you, you don't get the opportunity, you've got to go out there and you're expected to perform consistently and be up to a certain standard and, and similar in, in business. But I mean, are you able to share any of those techniques or mechanisms you've been able to use in sport or, or business that have enabled you to do that and turn up each day irrespective of what's going on and endeavour to perform? When I first started playing cricket for New Zealand, I used to think I needed to get pumped up and excited. And when I went out on the field, I did. Uh, that's what I needed to do. I needed to buzz around. I wanted to be the best builder in the world. Uh, that was my standard I wanted to set. Whether I was that or not was irrelevant, but I, it was what I was trying to achieve. And with the ball, uh, that was me. I needed to get in the fight and really have a competition going on. When I was batting, I needed to be at the other end of the spectrum found out pretty quickly that I couldn't be pumped up because if I did, I would try to hit every ball out of the park. I really needed to be calm and really sedate with what I was doing and, and some of those things were uh, not worrying about failure, not worrying about sitting there trying to hit the last ball for six and to win the game, thinking, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this. What am I going to do? I hope I don't stuff this up in front of 50,000 people. And what if I fail? I'll be the laughing stock. To turn it around and go, this is an opportunity for me to succeed. This is an opportunity that I have to win the game for New Zealand. And one of those things was simply, and I still do it today, I pass it on to a lot of people that I work closely with uh, as far as within cricketing sense that I'm mentoring, that when you are under pressure or you think you're struggling with things, actually just smile. As soon as you smile, it takes all the weight off your shoulders and you can only think positive about what you're doing. You won't think about failure if you're smiling. You think about the opportunity for what it is and what it might be. And, and I take that into my day-to-day -day work here. Challenges every day in recruitment, as you well know. Challenges every day in business. And at the end of the day, you've really just got to take it on with a pretty good attitude and really look to, to smile and go, right, let's get this done. Some great takeaways, mate. I love it. I'm going to take the conversation from smiling to stress. How do you deal with stress? Uh, obviously, when you're out there in front of 50,000 people, there's a lot expected of you. And obviously, the, the stress that you put on yourself to perform in sports, the, the expectation you put on yourself to perform within your professional job now. I mean, how do you personally sort of deal with, with stress other than the stuff that you've already shared? It was a big thing for me is understanding when I was stressed or my stress indicator, so to speak, and as far as what I was doing when I was stressed, whether I was sort of all over the show and not able to concentrate, whether I was uh, panicking because I was under pressure, uh, simple things, whether your knees are shaking because you, you're worried so much, some of those things happen. Some of those things happen where you're shaking because you're concerned about what's going on or, or you can't sleep. It's really about understanding what they are and then putting things in perspective and going, well, this is why this is happening. My way of dealing with, with stress is uh, to look at everything positively. If I do that, then it, it gives me the best opportunity to succeed and the best opportunity to overcome negative thoughts or a negative situation by, by trying to turn that around into, into what a positive situation might be. 100% some... Uh... So good views there. I'm going to try and dig a bit deeper now in terms of what drives you. I mean, obviously, you're very motivated. You've uh, 
you've been striving towards achieving great things, be it sport or and now the next chapter of your life, and also simply get better at what you do. I mean, what what sort of person drives you? Why do you do it all? That's a question that I ask myself all the time. <laughs> I do it because I like achieving. I like succeeding at things, whether that's a small thing as as far as ticking off a job that you've done or whether that's going and, and finishing off a game for New Zealand or, or whether that's dealing with a, a good client and making sure that you deliver on that or whether that's overcoming a, a tough situation. I think it, it's really that sense of achievement. Having a clear plan of how you're going to do that, it doesn't always happen that way. You have to be pretty adaptable at the same time. It's really about the want to do hard work to enable yourself to then celebrate success. And I think it's a lot better to be able to celebrate success when you put in the hard work and it tastes a lot sweeter. The beer tastes a lot better when you've put in the hard work and, and succeeded as opposed to it's just fallen in your lap. So it's a big part for me is, is making sure that you do the hard work and then good things will happen to good people. Would you also agree that it's, you've also got a desire to challenge yourself, get outside of your comfort zone, and whilst it's sort of uncomfortable, maybe a bit of a desire to see how far you can push yourself and what you can achieve? Yeah, I suppose that's, the, that's where I am now and, and where I've been in the last few years, and, and, and I suppose every day playing for New Zealand as well. It, it is really about trying to push yourself, seeing how, how good you can get, that's where it comes back to that motto, better than before. I live by that every day. I can retire in 20 years' time and I'll still be saying that because I'll be on the golf course and trying to be better than I am every, every single day. So hopefully that is the case. It does come back to challenge yourself and, and, and being better than you, than you can be. For sure. I want to now sort of push towards any other habits or practices, uh, rituals that you do to get the best out of every day or just out of life in general. Is there any other sort of key things that you do on a regular basis that enables you to be successful, again, further to what you've already shared so far? For me, it's being that person in a team or an environment where you're approachable, you're positive, and you influence the group through your positivity something that I try and consciously work on. Every day I, I make sure that when I come into the office or come into the team, that's what I try and do. As far as day-to-day -day stuff, yeah, it's a, it's a really hard one because things change. But, yeah, it's it's always just trying to be in a, in a positive frame of mind. One of the big things I've observed, not only, you know, as we grow up, but I think also, you know, particularly in the work environment, I think you're a positive role model. The way you go about your work, how you hold yourself, uh, how you know how you conduct, uh, oh, I guess opportunities or conversations with customers, want that. Uh, certainly, the guys around you, I think they benefit from that role model. And I think uh, you, you talk about leadership coming in different forms. Be it cricket or business, I'm a big fan of learning by osmosis and learning by the people around you who are performing and acting the way that you know uh, is conducive to success. So, I think some awesome, awesome points you make there. Now, uh, Nath, and uh, obviously you've got a beautiful family. You touched on the feet. You've got three young young boys, further to uh, your beautiful wife, uh, Vanessa. You've achieved a lot in, in sport. Um, you're moving forward into your career post-sport. What's your vision on your legacy? I mean, what are you aiming to achieve from here? Oh, look, at the end of the day, um, family's hugely important to me. The work-life balance is, is hugely important. 
I want to be as successful as I was on the cricket field, whatever that may have been, but I want to be uh, and have the drivers to be successful um, in, in business um, and, and make a difference within a group of people and, and a company and, and really push things to be better than they are. The same for, for me and my family, where we want to be happy in what we're doing. I want to make sure that my, my kids are growing up with the, the same attitudes where they don't want for anything, but they know what hard work is and hard work determines success. And they're humble at the same time. And for me, now it's, it's setting me and my family up for, for the next however many years that we, that we get to spend with each other and seeing my young boys grow and see them play sport and, and be successful at whatever it is they choose. They, they may not play sport. They may play different sports to what I have, or, or they may just go straight into the workforce in, in a different way. Either way, it's, it's about trying to drive success. For me, that's also as a family and, and having those relationships where you're solid as a family with, with your kids and your partner. And uh, I, I'm very lucky to have the support of Vanessa uh, for so many years with me. And, and it's great to, to be able to have that and share that with her. And now it's really about, I suppose, being able to spend a lot more time as far as that partnership's concerned as well. Because playing cricket for New Zealand, you're away eight, nine, ten months of the year. It can get pretty tough, you know. So I want to enjoy the, the time at home that I have now with, with my family. Yeah, good points. You have obviously developed a lot of wisdom over the years. We all do as we grow. Uh, I think we sort of learn what works and what doesn't work. And if we knew this stuff when we were much younger, then... Maybe be, uh, things would be different, but hey, that's uh, that's the journey. You've got to learn these things. Um, using the wisdom you've got now, if you were to have uh, uh, a couple of beers with the 18-year-old Nathan McCullum, what would you tell that uh, keen, ambitious, uh, energetic 18-year-old now, knowing, knowing what you know you've uh, you've picked up over the last few years? Funny, I had someone ask me the same thing the other day. A similar thing. They said, "Would you change it?" And would you go back and change it to when you're 18? And I said yes and no because the lessons that I've learned in the time have allowed me to be where I am and what I am today. So I wouldn't change too much. However, what I would say is if I had have known the amount of hard work that needs to be put in and the success that you get out of that, you, nothing ever happens without for free and nothing ever happens without putting in the hard work. And I think I, when I was a young 18-year-old, I expected things to happen, and they didn't at different times, and that was the hard pill to swallow. But they were great lessons for me to learn as well. It would have been great to know that, but at the end of the day, it's, it's maybe a better person today not, not knowing that at 18 as well. Yeah, hard work is, is definitely the, the catalyst. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I, I totally agree. I don't regret anything. Or any, of the, any of the hardships or lessons I've had to learn, often the hard way, because it shapes who you are, and without that appreciation, you know, you're not who you are today because of it. So, yeah, I share that sentiment, mate. Just sort of taking that maybe a little step further and taking a different angle on, I guess, a similar question. You know, if you were to give your boys, and I suspect I already know a couple, and based on what you've talked about, if you were to give your three young boys three pieces of advice, what would they be and why? Only three? Jeez. Only three, mate. We've only got a short time. <laughs> Be humble. You being humble allows you to succeed in your in your own things, but enjoy the successes of others around you at the same time. B 
be better than before, and there's no substitute for hard work. It's really the three key ones, and it really comes back to that that hard work and, and determination to get better. And I suppose the, the full motto to finish off of better than before is is something that uh, really resonates with me and, and is something that I'll, that I'll forever pass on. Well, Nathan, um, very grateful that you've joined us. Uh, it's been a pleasure having a bit of a chat here today. It's certainly been a pleasure growing up with you, mate, and, and certainly now, I guess, sharing the journey and business with you. Uh, certainly been impressed by everything you've achieved. It's been inspirational, so congrats on that and all the best for what comes next. Yeah, thanks again for joining us. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers.